Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today with week, is it 96? It's a special week regardless of the Ham uh, Radio podcast. And it is me, the Lone Ball Wanderer. And it's me, Carrick with ACG. We finally have our first special guest of the year. We promised you guys we're going to try to do this more often. Tom, would you kindly introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Tom Taylorson. I'm a voice actor, uh, probably most notably right now, uh, Scott Ryder in Mass Effect Andromeda. Yeah, the male protagonist. All right. So I just had to say, yeah. as soon as Tom joined the Skype call, yeah. I'm thinking this guy's a voice actor. His voice just suits it perfectly. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's the microphone. It's the microphone. Yeah, it's a very nice, voice. expensive microphone. <laughs> so you know, Mass Effect just went gold today. We were we were briefly talking about it beforehand. Uh, how are you feeling about that? Knowing that, as you said, discs are being printed, and the reception is soon going to be out there. And um, yeah, cool. Um, I don't know what else to say, you know, um, amid all of this, you know, one of the designers put out there, it's like, oh, it's been a great five year journey. And I had to kind of make note of the fact that they'd been at work for four years on this game before I had even auditioned for the project. So while I've had like a year and a half kind of on and off, you know, it was kind of pretty heavy this last late summer, fall, but, um, Otherwise, you're just kind of on and off over the course of a year and a half. So there's, there's been a long buildup. But, you know, I can only imagine what it's been like for the rest of the development crew. Uh, you know, four years for, for a lot of these people before I was involved. And so it's five now that mm. they're printing discs and working on an, an enormous day one patch, I'm sure. Mm. So, yeah, what, how's some of your work experience with Bioware been? This, this is your first time work with them, working with them, right? Yeah, yeah. Have they been you know good to uh, you? Is it is it different from other gigs you've had? Um, okay. Well, it's different in a billion ways uh, for me. Okay. Uh, sp- specifically, um, Bioware. I I used to teach their scripts when I taught voice acting at oh. Columbia College in Chicago. Wow, that's cool. Because because their scripts are just so well written, and um, so now I'm working on their scripts. That must be really surreal. Yeah, for you. Say, yeah. that's oh, oh, it is. You know, uh, and I've told the story before, but the auditions for the project came through, and I knew exactly what I was auditioning for. I knew exactly what these scripts were, and I knew who they were from. And so I put in some good time to to put the audition together. And now that um, you know, I've been working with them, the the team and the people that they assembled locally here in LA, and then the people working all over, uh, writing the scripts, all of it have have been absolutely wonderful and just a a Mm. pleasure to work with Mm. um differences from other video game gigs um are innumerable uh partly because bioware has their own flavor uh their own work process and then on top of that i've never um uh from uh moba parlance i've never carried a game before Mm. as it Mm. were you know um and in fact, I used to joke with my friend Frida that uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the other player character yeah. uh, that because of my voice and other things like that that I do and my acting background, what I, that I'm not really a carry in a game because I don't sound certain ways, things like that. Mm. Um, and so to be doing that is crazy. So that's its own thing. You know, um, most of the time it's, you know, a video game job is one and done. You're in and out. Uh, sometimes you come back for a second round or maybe there's DLC or something, but, and I actually can't talk about it cause they're going to release metrics, <laughs> but 
The number of sessions that I had over the course of again a year and a half, unprecedented. Really? It's just you know this uh, kind of this kind of job, and the same thing would go true with all of the uh, companions and others in the game. It's kind of unprecedented the number of sessions and the the work itself. Has it felt uh, uh, not to, not to no, cut you off? Has it ever felt like a no, little no. crunchy at times, where you you felt like you might not have put your your best voice work in there, or has have they given you enough time and retakes and stuff throughout that? It seems like a shortened process, maybe, or am I misinterpreting? Well, no, no. Part of my job and everybody's job mm-hmm. is to be efficient. Okay. So when you're knocking out, they, you know, they say, Hey, we'd like 324 lines today in four hours. And well, you do that. Um, we had one day we knocked out like four, 400 something, but a lot of those were kind of call outs and things. And you just rip through those. Yeah. Uh, and that was, and that, and that was late in the process. Mm. So we knew everything, you know, early on, not as many lines. We were still, you know, figuring out each other and our style, the style of the game, the writer character. Okay. So um, it's uh, it's never really felt crunchy time wise or anything like that. Everybody wants to give everything you know the time and energy it demands. Um, but I also feel like everything had been set up from again the people I worked with and all the other prep work beforehand. That when we got in there and just went to work, that it did just work awesome. it functioned and uh yeah i have to ask tom uh, not to butt in but you before you mentioned that when you received the scripts you knew that what it was relating to that being mass effect usually a, a lot of what i read online with with voice actors if they receive a script or for an audition they don't know the specific game were you told it was mass effect or did you just know because you were so familiar with the subject matter well, it said copyright EA Bioware at the bottom of the darn thing. Uh, <laughs> so that's one thing. And the new Dragon Age would not have planets. So. Exactly. And exactly. they made ref- and while they had changed character names and did things like that from the the names that they had in the final project, the other thing is that they made reference to Turians and Salarians and I just it, it was obvious. It was blatantly yeah. so obvious. So you were familiar um, with Mass Effect before all this? Was it through your teaching or playing? The playing. Uh-oh. Entire trilogy, top to bottom, DLC. <laughs> wow. wow. Look at that. That must be uh, so cool for you, really. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was that was a big part of it. So, I mean, that first, first few sessions, we're definitely checking in with uh, Caroline saying, is this a real deal? You guys sure? <laughs> um, you know, added to that kind of pressure and the... the um, the sense of being an imposter was that that was the first gig that I booked after moving to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So, you know, add that to the, this isn't, this isn't real, right? This is not uh, a thing. Okay. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm temporary. I'm placeholder dialogue. Um, you know, there's no call. There was no callback. I thought there'd be something more involved and, and there just wasn't. They just wow. had a, uh, had a faith in something right off the bat. And, uh, uh, Caroline, our uh, director and uh, voice director, all this other stuff. Uh, sh- her ability to cast and uh, top to bottom this game, the casting is just phenomenal. And I don't know what she's doing exactly, like what her process, her thought process is, even though I've kind of asked her a little bit, uh, is, but she just got it right. Mm-hmm. And it's been, that's been part of the amazing thing is that, um, that, that casting thing. Because I, again, I feel like I've done it wrong, but. After a few sessions, it started to click, and there was a lot of stuff going on with the character and with my work and everybody else, that it started to come, not necessarily easily, but naturally. Mm-hmm. 
and that's when I had the sense of, oh, maybe I'm supposed to be playing this role. <laughs> this is this is kind of, you know, and that I, I've seen it in theater, voiceover, everything. Mm. That when you get that part right, you get the casting right, a lot of this stuff just does just fall into place. And I have been miscast before, and that did not fall into place. Mm. So I I know all of those things. So when things finally started clicking and grooving, and we were really moving, and I felt good about everything, and then you know you're saying, uh, do you feel like uh, you're not putting your best work? You know, sometimes I do feel like, oh, I want one more take, two more takes, something like that, but. At some point, because, again, the speed and everything else with which we work, you just have to put faith in the process that they have put together. Absolutely. And you put faith in all the, all the people on the other side of the glass and the faith in the people in Edmonton and everywhere else that are putting this thing together. That they know what they're doing. They know what they're looking for. We have it. And if we don't have it, they'll send it back and say, we need something different. And we you know, recorded some stuff, too. Occasional lines here and there. Hmm. Happens. So you, you did teach voice acting, but what really got you into this? And, you know, if you want to talk about some other previous video game work you've done as well, because you did mention you've done other one-offs, it seems. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, the first, <laughs> uh, through an agent which shall remain nameless. Uh, <laughs> they, they were the first agent I had, the first agent I had off of some uh, uh, show that I did, uh, like, relatively soon out of, out of school. Mm-hmm. And... Um, the agent just sent me sent me randomly on a voiceover audition. I came in, recorded onto a cassette tape. <laughs> ah, we're going we're going back to that. Talk. Going back, yeah. <laughs> and um, I just was in their office, no, you know, no soundproofing, no booth or whatever like that. Oh, wow. And I recorded a couple different parts for this video game, and it was the first voiceover audition I did, wow. and the first video game audition I did. Hmm. And I booked the darn job. Wow. Um, I wound up playing. Among other roles, because they kept they brought me back for a few different sessions, I played Fiery Phoenix and Exile in Dao Fang, the Fist of Lotus. Oh, I've got the, that game. Yes, for the original Xbox. Yes, for the, for original, the original Xbox. Xbox. <laughs> the first fighting game on the original Xbox. So that is me as Fiery Phoenix, uh, Exile, Wulong Goth. Um, gosh, who else am I in there? Iron Fist, I think. Like, just a bunch of stuff mm. because I'm in there with, um, of all people, John Tobias, half of John Tobias and Ed Boon, creators of Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Oh, are you serious? That is so wow. cool. So I'm out. So I'm about a year out of university, and it's, it's freaking John Tobias, right? Mm. <laughs> um, and so, uh, you know, working with him was great, and they kept bringing me back, and it was a, it was a, it was a great time. And then. There's little stuff, but I never really put a lot into voiceover after that. Um, but things like that were kind of tipping me off, saying, hey, you should probably pursue this thing. And I made my way through theater in Chicago. And over the years, I wound up running into people like a gentleman by the name of David Lewis, uh, who cast me in some some radio stuff. And he just sat me and my partner after the session aside and said, okay, you guys can do this. Who are you with? Who are you with? Do you have a demo? Do you have a demo? You know, kind of pushing us like. And uh, that really kind of inspired me to go, oh, I guess I should put a little more into this. And over time, the theater stuff started to fall to the wayside for a variety of reasons. And voiceover started to pick up. And about 2008, somewhere in there, but a while ago now, almost 10 years, um, I finished my last stage show. 
And I turned to my my fiance now wife, and I said, you know what? I don't think I'm going to pound the streets for this theater stuff anymore. Uh, this voiceover thing seems to be going pretty well, and I think that's where things are going to be for me. Uh, the hours are a little better, and the pay was a little better. Mm-hmm. And um, there were a few days that she was at work and I was playing Xbox. That's not fair. <laughs> so I, I did get a little actor lazy there, but uh, I put more and more into it, and I had an agent that I still have in uh, Chicago, Grossman and Jack Talent, who have been supporting me since 2004 or so. Wow. Um, That's a while. uh, Yeah, and so they've been working with me for a very long time, and they've put a lot into me, and I absolutely adore them, and I am not here without them. So voiceover just kind of slowly took over, and as it did, I really, I started to find things historically within my life and in my work that said, you've been aiming at this the whole time. Um, I used to come home from... uh, from school and put off doing my homework to watch, uh, to watch tiny tunes, <laughs> then animaniacs uh-huh. and Batman, the animated series. Um, and then the because thing. you, yeah. And then, cause they used to have the, um, when they used to have the credits full screen mm-hmm. at the end, I would watch the credits to see the voice actors. And I actually wound up recording on VHS <laughs> yep. the um, the credit sequences to pause it and read the names off. And I kept seeing some of the same names and some surprises. Mark Hamill, what the, you know, and, and things like that. <laughs> and so um, I started following those people before the Internet, you know, grabbed hold of them and just Watching that, you know, just little tip-offs like that um, through university training and elsewhere. I always, I was usually kind of try to find the voice of a character, and a lot of other things would kind of fall into place once that happened. It just you know, a little tip-offs, little tip-offs that mm. said this is probably where you should be going. But voice acting was not as front and center of a career path as it is today, and as it has been for I want to say like the last year since since people like you guys, you know, and the internet as a whole grabbed hold of it. Yeah. Um, so it is much more apparent that this is a thing that you can do for fun and profit. Uh, whereas I was, you know, coming into Chicago going, I'm going to be an actor and I didn't really have a focus. And definitely once I found that focus, a lot of other things started clicking and then I put everything into it and I absolutely adore this work and the people, uh, involved in it, whether it's commercials or, you know, animation, video games. Um, I adore this work, not just as a job, but as a craft and as an art. Awesome. Wow. And you were talking about you moving from theater and doing this voice acting work. How hard is it for you to try and actually find work? I understand that that would be through your agency, but do, mm-hmm. do, you tend, do you find that it's pretty easy nowadays to actually find work, especially because you're building up your own portfolio? No. Um, I think... Because I'm not at that point where, you know, and I'm sure these, and I'm sure some of the names that I'm going to name, you know, aren't necessarily, you know, the people aren't just handing them stuff, as you might think. But I am, you know, I'm not Mr. Matt Mercer. I am not, you know, um, Maurice LaMarche or, um, you know, any of these gentlemen or, you know, Kath Susie or something like that or Debbie Derryberry. I am here auditioning every day. I cranked out five or six auditions this morning for stuff I probably won't get. Wow. Um, and you just, that's just what you do every day. Um, 
I always imagine, you know, uh, Rob Paulson, you know, Yakko on Animaniacs, the current Donatello on the Ninja Turtles after he was, you know, Raphael and the original Ninja Turtles when I watched it in the eighties, you know, this kind of thing. Um, I imagine him walking into a callback for something and somebody my age, younger, uh, much younger going, Oh, Mr. Paulson, I love you. I love your work. Uh, I've been listening to you and watching you for a very long time. And he would say, Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate hearing that. And then that person goes, but can you do this? <laughs> I, I don't know. I've only listened to you for half of my life, you know, and adore your work and everything, but, but I don't know. Can you read these words that I wrote? I, and you're just constantly having your, you know, having your abilities and everything else put to the test. They're always checking, you know, um, I love you. I love your work. I, I love watching you play. Can you play with me? You know, will you work well in this thing and can we play together? Um, and is that a good fit? And so there's always going to be that, that auditioning process. Um, mm -hmm. I'm forgetting the gentleman's name, mm -hmm. but, um, uh, um, it's terrible of me because he's, he's wonderful. He's a wonderful actor. Uh, but it was only after he played Davy Jones in the second Pirates of the Caribbean wow. movie. No way. That's cool. So he plays Davy Jones and somebody said, so you've got this now like newfound fame and all this other stuff. What do you think? And he said, quite honestly, well, I don't have to audition for parts now. People just kind of send me scripts and say, would you like to play this? That's nice. <laughs> I'm sure it would be. <laughs> and that's it, you know? And, you know, that's, a, that's an amazing, wonderful, wonderful place to, to be at. So, you know, things aren't easier. I mean, I'm better at my job. Um, and you kind of just gloss over this part because most of your job is auditioning. And you just learn to deal with that and enjoy that process. And, and was it Bill Nighy? Yes, Yes, yeah, Bill Nye, that's who, it is. Yeah. who I remember. Underworld first, is where I remember him. Yeah, yeah. Um, I first saw him in uh, was Love Actually. Love Actually, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, he's wonderful in that. He was wonderful in that. And I remember seeing him there for the first time going, this guy, this guy's brilliant. Yeah, and then suddenly. Underworld. He's honestly one of the best bad guys, though. I mean, as Davy Jones, he's Underworld. He's a bad guy. Well, sort of a bad guy. He does a he does a great job. Yeah, I love his stuff. He does, yeah. Yeah, I rewatched uh, Pirates after seeing this interview with him, and wa really watched that performance, and just went, "Yeah, that is, yeah, amazing and original, and that's, yep, that's it's just phenomenal." And and that's and it. to act through that, you know, digital makeup, it's like Ron Perlman level stuff, where you know, how do <laughs> Hellboy, <they> do <laughs> Hellboy, yeah, yeah. Oh God, you know, Ron can't use his eyebrows half the time with the stuff they put on him. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. He was also oh, yeah. brilliant in uh, Fantastic Beasts. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just, uh, mm. he's amazing, you know? Yeah, I, lo I love him in Harry Potter as well. He did, yeah, he did yeah. well there. So you talked about how you played all the Mass Effects. That's awesome. Uh, with that being said, though, Carrick, you had a, a really good question in regards to that earlier that we were discussing. Oh, which, the about stress? Commander Shepard, and, and yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So basically I wanted to ask, this is something that, you know, we, we try to always ask people, especially when they're taken over into a series, mm -hmm. uh, how you handle the stress of you know, the expectations of Shepard being, you know, that original uh, I, major character and sort of taken over and, yeah, and being yeah. a new character in the new ones. Like, how did you handle that? Did you just go into it and you were like, this is the way it's going to be? Or did you, I mean, did you, you, you've known those games, you're familiar mm -hmm. with them. 
Yep. So uh, how did you how did you handle that extra pressure? Well, a lot of or it. Or did was you kind of, feel it? Maybe you didn't feel it. Well, a little bit. Um, anytime I, you know, again realizing that I'm the player character and I'm like a cipher for you know, the, right. the, the, the player and what they want out of things and and hopefully hopefully expressing what they think when they choose a particular reaction. And um, especially for the writers, you know, they're writing things in a certain way. And from that, from the writing and direction and things like that early on, they wanted to make sure that they had set the writers apart in that they wanted to make sure that they weren't Shepard. These were not heroes that became legends, as I believe uh, Aaron Flynn has said. These are explorers that kind of have to have the mantle of hero dumped on them. And that is their story. It's their. It's kind of their coming of age story, mm. in this in this new galaxy. And so that took a lot of the pressure off because it was obvious from the beginning. Oh, we are not Shepard, right? And we and we can't be. So don't even worry about playing it that way. Um, the only thing I will say that I felt nervous about is a couple times I've heard I heard Frida, uh, who's kind of a badass, like in person. <laughs> so she's doing her stuff as Sarah. And some of like the uh, kind of the intimidating lines or you kind of step up, you got to kind of prove yourself to a Krogan or something. And um, the way Frida does it, almost effortlessly, um, these kind of tough, like, I'm going to punch you as soon as talk at you uh, kind of lines and deliveries. And I had this concern, like, uh, guys, I don't think I sound that tough. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I sound that badass. So please keep an eye on that because... I don't think that that's, there's so many other facets of Scott Ryder that I think I'm hooking into and I'm getting, I don't know about that part. <laughs> um, right. And they said, no, no, we've got stuff. Uh, or I'd say something in a certain way. And, uh, my director, Josh would say that if you're ever concerned again, cons- whatever you had going on there, that's, that's the feel. That's the thought. Mm-hmm. That's, that's your, that's your writer's going to be a tough guy at this point. I said, okay, hold on. <laughs> Very to cool. Um, you know, because it's tough, you know, what Mark Meir laid down as Shepard's amazing. And of course, uh, you know, what Jennifer Hale did as a Shepard, again, uh, iconic, you know, roles and deliveries and way they put together, way they put it together. And so, you know, it's creatively, they separated it. And then again, at the end of the day, you know, Fried and I have to do our own thing. We can't do that and go in there and reproduce that. It's already been done. All right. So then what do we bring to the table and just, do the best version of that that we can right very cool yeah so you and wait, you say sorry I, I wanted to ask quickly um how do you think it's going to be you said you've played the previous mass effect games mm-hmm. is it going to be weird re- i don't know if you are going to replay this game but it's going to be weird playing this game with your voice there because <laughs> right. i've asked a few other voice actors in the past and they think yes it's kind of strange but eventually you get over it yeah i mean my kids have played Octodad mm-hmm. yeah. a billion times to Sunday. Right. And, uh, and so I'm all over That's that game. game. Freed and I are both <laughs> all over the game. Oh, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> those guys, a shout out to Young Horses. Those guys, those guys got in on the trend before it was cool. Yeah. Like, there, right? All right. <laughs> Me and Frida, they knew what they were doing. <laughs> and, um, you know, I got used to that um, for a variety of reasons. And I, and I still listen to that as my son kind of calls it up every now and then on the iPad. And uh, with the exception of a couple of chef lines here or there, something like that, I go, yep, that's right. I don't think I'm going to do that any better. Those, that's, that, that's the right delivery and everything. We got 
good stuff in that in the can for that. I'm very, very happy. Mm. Um, my first playthrough in Andromeda is going to be Sarah Ryder. Mm. I cannot deal yeah. <laughs> with Fair 60 enough. hours because I will, <laughs> as anybody who's worked with me will say, it's like, yeah, Tom may deliver X, Y, and Z, and it's all great. But in the back of his mind, he's always <laughs> like directing and engineering and doing all this crazy stuff at the same time. Um, so I'm very self-critical. Um, and there's, and I know, you know there's going to be points of the game where Sarah and Scott are there at the same time. You know, we're not exclu- you know, we're not excluding each other uh, on on any playthrough like the the shepherds were. So um, I'm going to run into me, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, I'll deal with that then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I probably right. will go through maybe a second time just to hear where it was at. Um, uh, you know, I, I guess I'm used to it for the most part. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that first playthrough is going to be Sarah, just to avoid that awkwardness <laughs> and actually decide, try to sit down and play the game. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to listening to all of the other people in the game because I only got snippets here and there. And that was exceptionally exciting when I got to hear somebody else's work. So I'm really looking forward to hearing everybody else in the game. I have a qu- I've never asked a, a voice actor this before, but it's just crossed my mind. For me, I know there, these are two different things where voice acting, making YouTube videos. But for me, like if I'm sitting in a room and someone fires up one of my videos, like I hate it. I can't stand it. I don't know yeah. if it's like I don't like hearing my voice or whatever. It's just I, I just don't like that. Do you get that same feeling when like, I don't know, maybe it's different with your kid. But if someone were to fire up a, a game and you, know, you start hearing your own voice playing on TV, let's say you're playing Andromeda, Scott and Sarah in the same room. You know, do you get that? sort of, I don't want to say uncomfortable, but that feeling I'm, I'm sort of talking about? Um, a little bit. And it's usually tempered by, I start, I go, oh, that, you know, that happened. But I'll be listening to it, and it'll be a, really, that's the take you chose? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's oh, the one. Thinking, Tom. <laughs> I'm pretty... I'm pretty sure you had a better take in the can than that. Okay, fine, <laughs> fine, fine. Not up to me, not up to me. Um... Or on commercials, I can tell when they have compressed it, like the back end of a commercial oh, at the time, right. yeah. and uh, you know things like that. Um, it's so it's it's not it's so the things that you know behind the scenes bothersome. that people just playing it might not pick up on. Yeah, okay. and that's what I'm thinking. That those are the things that that, that I'm thinking about, hmm. um, rather than it being too awkward. Um, you know, years ago, there, I had a, 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 a I was doing some different stuff for a McDonald's and. Uh, my uh, my wife just she says she's driving home and she says, "Oh God, have you heard this new McDonald's commercial?" Because I was talking about <laughs> no. something. Is, is I it said, the what, rib one? <laughs> no, right? That's a good one. She said, "I said what, what McDonald's commercial?" She says, "Oh gosh, it's one with this like I don't know. Is this Chef and he's and I said, "Is it Chef? Is it Chef Pepe?" <laughs> yes, that's what it is. Have you heard this? I said, "Honey, I'm Chef Pepe." <laughs> what? Yeah, they asked for this goofy French chef, and then we did it over the top, and that's the version they chose. I hate that commercial. <laughs> and I said, well, that commercial is you know, helping pay for groceries this month. Exactly. <laughs> when divorces happen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just joking. But, um, oh, you know, so you get used to that. Uh, I've got some stuff running for uh, <laughs> for uh, um, Universal Studios Hollywood, California, the uh, the theme park here. So every now and then that'll pop up on the radio, and... You know, again, after years of this, I just go, yeah, that's a good spot. That's awesome. Yeah. When you think about it, you see them all over the place. That's awesome. Well, historically speaking, it's not, you know, this ain't 
a few years ago, it had been better. I could say, oh, I had this spot running and this was us. And this a... Now it's a little more sparse, you know, more audio books and things like that. But you do everything you can to yeah. keep it going. So from what you've said, I mean, I, I guess you and Frida were friends before Andromeda have worked together. So, you know, yeah. I'd say you guys seem to have pretty good chemistry. In, the, in that video, um, I saw it on IGN where you two were yeah. together in the yeah. booth. Uh, that was funny yeah, stuff. Do you think that that type of relationship translates well into the game, especially something like Mass Effect, where it's a lot about building relationships and learning about characters? Well, we didn't do anything together, oh. although they did. Although they did consider recording some of the Scott and Sarah when the two of them are together scenes together. Mm. Um, we never actually worked together, really, okay, uh, for any of it, but. What happened is that relatively early in the process, it's like, do we, Fried and I were talking, it's like, do we let them know kind of organically or slip it in or how do we, how do we tell them that we know each other, like know each other, know each other, like we did a game together and that became a thing. And so she kind of dropped it during a session and they said, wait, what? And Frida explained the story. And so then, you know, I had the same thing during another session. They said, hey, Frida tells me, you know, this. And I said, yeah, we, you know, <laughs> knew each other before this game, uh, which is very rare because there's a lot of isolation in, uh, in voiceover yeah, in the voice sure. acting industry. Um, that's why when, people, when voice actors see each other, it, it seems like we're long lost friends and there's hugs and all sorts of things going on. And it's true because we haven't seen each other in forever. Maybe, you know, Twitter or something like that. But uh, it's mm. been a while since any of us have actually seen each other. Um, so it, it really didn't add anything to the game. Um, maybe a competitive thing, which is kind <laughs> of silly, you know, which is kind of silly. Um, but I really enjoyed, I personally really enjoyed having Frida there um, because, again, for this year and a half long process, uh, I had somebody I could kind of talk to about it. Uh, which was great. You know, I could say how this went go today or, Ooh, we did this. And otherwise I've just had to keep all of that stuff to myself and not tell a soul mm -hmm. for a very, very long time. Which isn't easy. Um, how, how hard was that for you? Um, pretty tough. I mean, not too bad, but pretty tough. Cause I, you know, I had friends, uh, all of my friends from university and others, uh, that are also big game people we kind of bonded through uh you know through college at, yeah. on video games about it you know we used to sit around in one person's room or another watch somebody play final fantasy tactics or all sorts of stuff like that um and so yeah keeping that you know i'd had other games in the past yeah i worked on this worked on this everybody went yeah cool but you know nothing like this mm -hmm. so um so it was it was tricky Mostly to kind of, and, you know, for me being new to California, new to Los Angeles, uh, new to the West Coast portion of the business, you know, in the back of my mind as the kind of cynical actor looking at marketing and whatever, I'm thinking, boy, I would love to be able to use this as like a little feather in the cap, you know, it's not, mm, you know, yeah. it's not really a promotional selling point. You know, nobody cares that you did that. They want to know what you are doing right now. Mm -hmm. mm. But you know, being able to drop that and maybe it'll, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, somebody will listen to an audition and maybe recognize my name or work or something and bring me in for a callback or say, 
you know what? We can't use him in this role, but I can use him for soldier number four because I know for a fact because he did this game, he can knock out, you know, 350 lines in four hours and he'll be able to, you know, we can trust him to knock out whatever we've got for this thing. Um, so who knows? Maybe that plays into it or maybe it doesn't. But uh, hmm. oh. yeah, sitting on that it was eh, tricky. Yeah, because like, yeah, cause when I was watching that video, we were talking a little bit about you and Frida. Um, you know, she was saying how like she helped you with the romantic scene. I was like, is this true? Like, I couldn't figure that out. Nope. But um, I guess since you guys weren't working together uh, physically. No. no, that was a bit. That was that a bit. Was a All right. bit. Yeah, I figured um, as much. And what was what was really funny is that uh, Conal Pierce and the others at uh, Bioware came up with that bit independent of the fact that Frida and I had actually done like silly sibling rivalry bits on Twitter <laughs> way before we ever shot that. Mm. And Frida even asked, "Did you guys are you guys following us on Twitter?" They said, "No, why?" And Frida and I looked at each other and said, "We've been playing this game like on Twitter." who was born first and all sorts of silliness and without, <laughs> you know, without prompting from you guys. And they went, Oh, this is perfect. So there's a lot of serendipity in, in the two of us working on this too, that worked out for, um, I like to think anyways, that worked out for the game and Bioware as a promotional thing. You know, the fact that we have that relationship means we could create that video rather than it being two actors, just kind of being awkward, mm-hmm. you know, playing something off we actually do have a relationship and can play around like that and not think anything of it um and we're obviously very active on twitter and you know love the whole community aspect of it so a lot of it just kind of clicked in there and we're happy to take that role we're happy to 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 do that you know we love the community we're fans ourselves so to be fanning ourselves as we interact with fans you know it's 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 a lot of fun it's like yes i'm vibrating with you in excitement <laughs> um, i have a question so uh, we always have a lot of people who ask like how do you get especially in this part um how do you get into the business so if if you were to give some advice to people who wanted to do this um would yeah. it just be like making demos well um I, I think david bateson from hitman just said make sure you actually go out and tell people what you're doing because nobody will fight for you uh, is there is there any advice you would give to um, people who want to do this? I, I got to go with the um, I got to go with the old the, the standard. Uh, it's a book title too, but from uh, Steve Martin. Uh, mm-hmm. Be so good they can't ignore you, mm. and then follow that up with the Will Wheaton rule of don't be a dick. Will Wheaton. <laughs> Will Wheaton. It's it's, it's well, a rule. Well, that's a blast. It's a rule. <laughs> It yeah. is, but you'd be right. surprised at how often you actually need to tell some people about that. Well, um, GDC, uh, did you guys hear that um, the Oblivion or the Obsidian um, writer, what's his name that you like so much, Matty? Chris, Chris? Avalon. Chris Avalon. Yeah, did you hear his story about working with Ron Pil- uh, Perlman? Uh, and no. Ron Perlman threatened in his life because he was he, he didn't want to speak whatever the, there was an argument about the lines and he was like you never want to have a pissed off Ron Perlman threatening your life in a, in a voice a voice box you just never want that you never want to you, you never want to have to deal with that so yeah being yeah not being a dick is probably uh, a top yeah. priority I mean that goes for and I don't care what it is you want to do and and those rules can go for anything you want to do um, right. in this. Frida's got a great extensive blog post um, on her thing. You know, we have very different backgrounds as to how we came into this thing. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I really appreciate and, and uh, love her perspective on a lot of this stuff because uh, hers, you know, I fell into things and, you know, I was an actor. I mean, I still am, obviously, but, um, you know, a, a face actor, a stage actor, doing all these things, working my way in at a Shakespeare, all this stuff, his crunchy stuff. Oh. And she comes from a, well, I'm taking classes and I got to do improv. I'm going to go to Upright Citizens after being in game development for a while. So she has a very different and unique perspective, uh, especially as somebody who just freaking busted her butt to make these things happen. In addition to her own, you know, natural abilities, gifts, um, she busted her butt to make this stuff happen. And I'm kind of, I've been floating along and working on things and uh, keeping a bunch of stuff in the air to make it happen. So her stuff on freetowolf.com, if you go to her blogs and she has a list and she's going to any of that stuff about how you know she recommends, especially uh, L.A. and video game stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But I recommend learning how to act, first and foremost, and how to interact with an audience. So it doesn't have to be you know acting classes. Uh, it can be acting classes. It can be improv classes. It can be musicians. Some of the best voice actors that I know back in Chicago and elsewhere are musicians or were musicians or still are. Um, uh, a, a, a friend of mine, she's like, she's got a band and it's because she knows how to interact and affect an audience. And that's a lot of what acting is. So that really plays into it. Um, gosh, what else? Don't be a dick. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, a lot of, a lot of the usual keep plugging at it and things like that. Um, demos are very expensive. Don't get a professionally made demo done until you are actually good. Um, because you can spend a lot of money and I did it. You can spend a lot of money on a junk demo. Uh, my first demo out of the gate was thousands of dollars back in Chicago. And this is a long time ago before demos actually were that expensive. In my opinion, uh, it was overly expensive and I had to press CDs. It was terrible. Mm. So I went in for one of my second agents who, who signed me and they said, well, your demo's okay, but your resume is all over the board. So I was brought in basically on my resume, not the, mm. you know, $3,000 demo mm. that I had there. Um, and a lot of my stuff has worked that way, which is where, you know, um, it's, it's tough for me to get in the room, but usually when they let me in the room, they keep me in the room. You know, I'm able to, I show up and I do the job, you know? Um, and you know, and that, that kind of thing really plays into it again. Don't be a dick. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I, I, there's really nothing that I would add to what free just got on her website or. I want to be a voice actor.com, which is D Bradley Baker's site. Yeah. yeah. You know, because a lot of it are, a lot of it are adages and just steps and things you should do and work on. And everybody's going to have their own particular path at it. Um, but the one piece of like, just in your gut, something to strive for is just be so good. They can't ignore you because when the stars align and that opportunity arises, if you work at it, you will show up and you will bring your A game and that, that opportunity will be yours. Mm-hmm. The only time and you, you, and you, and if you falter at that, that may have been your break or your opportunity. So you just always have to be ready to play. Yeah. Interesting. I have to ask, you, you said before that you moved to L.A., uh, to pursue mm-hmm. this work. It seems that every voice actor moves to LA to pursue this work. How crucial is it 
to be in that city in, in the yeah, Cali area. Not just for acting mm. generally, but voice actors are always there. They always seem to be living there. Yeah, I thought that well, was kind of like a stigma you... or just like the, I got to be in LA. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you want to do? What kind of voice acting do you want to do? I know people who are exceptionally successful uh, voice actors living in Colorado. And uh, a really good friend of mine, he, uh, and he he's a great uh, actor, great voice actor, a phenomenal audiobook narrator. Um, and he works from a very nice booth in a nice area outside of Denver, Colorado. And half of his money is like the non-union, internet-based, worldwide voiceover market. And then the other half is audiobooks. Um, Chicago is very much a commercial town. And I saw kind of where the lay of the land was going there. And then for me and for my wife's work, we just looked long-term. And I didn't see long-term there. But, you know, nobody knows how to advertise anymore. And the advertising dollars that they are spending are not with regular actors like myself and my peers and friends and others out in Chicago. And so I thought, but you know what there are? There are a lot of outlets for content. YouTube, Netflix, Amazon. Everybody's is so much content being made. And where is content made? New York and L.A. Okay. Yeah. So if you're going to, you know, and... And a personal thing for me, too, was that I was teaching, again, for a few years, uh, voice acting for video games, or as I like to call it, the fine art of screaming and bleeding and dying for fun and profit. (laughs) (laughs) And um, there was a point, and I told my last few classes who were very sweetly bummed out when I was leaving, um, that I felt like I couldn't do them or the teaching justice to talk about people like you know like uh matt mercer and kath susie and uh danielle mccray and all these other people and not come out here and play with the big boys i felt like i had no ground to stand on and uh authority with which to speak if i didn't come out here and try to compete and kind of put my theories to practice and to the test. So it was very personal for me to be able to try to come out here and do this thing. Um, I get because I just, there are so many people, especially as I think it's any artist, but the actors in particular who are just out there trying to take your money, you know, Mm. teaching a new thing or a method or a book or a class or something. And I think this again, any, because it's anytime you have any kind of career path that has a creative process to it. Um, there's, everybody's always trying to get that next edge, that next something. And you're always supposed to be looking at it, you know, taking a class to go to the next level. Well, who do you trust? And in the voiceover marketplace, especially with the proliferation of online voiceover, um, everybody's out there trying to make a buck. And I didn't ever want to be perceived as doing that or attempting to do that. Mm. Very important for me, uh, uh, for my integrity. Uh, One of the reasons why I kind of taught at a college, because, you know, then I've got the weight of the college behind me and some some support there. Um, So, yeah, I just, I really wanted to uh, practice what I preach and see if I could come out here and can compete. Seems to be working out. Do you think this is going to be like the first of many for you? 
when it comes to really I, big gigs? I mean, you've had a lot of work. Oh, man, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. I, that's, that's the goal, right? I mean, part of me is def, definitely does not want it to be a one and done. I'll tell you right now. I don't, I, I'm, I don't try to – I don't pitch myself as a one-trick pony, but you don't want to be one. But if it happens, it happens. Um, I've got other stuff in the pipeline I can't talk about um, that, that, is, that is a cool little feather, and I, enjoy, I really enjoyed working on. And the audiobooks are still are still moving and grooving. Um, mm. So with other stuff, we'll see. We'll see. I'm I'm hopeful, and I've got good agency here that's been very very kind to me, and uh, you know working for me. So uh, we shall see. Awesome. Uh, are there any video games? Uh, publishers whoever or whatever that you would really love to work with like at the top of your list if you had a couple of wishes in terms of games to be in or whatever what would they be blizzard Oh, <laughs> you could be the next overwatch hero yeah. come on tom let's do it no 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 no, man i'll, t- I'll tell you something it's tough about the overwatch heroes um especially the new people they're bringing into the the diversity and kind of like the off-cast, not the off-casting, but they found like some really amazing original people and sounds for some of those roles that are just mm. amazing. And really that's not, ones. yeah, and it's like that's not necessarily what I bring, I, you know, historically. We'll see. Maybe, maybe it'll change. But <laughs> my, um, one of the people that I always kind of thought was wonderful and, and still is wonderful, he's still around, um, but a gentleman by the name of Bob Bergen, and people kind of take his claim to fame as having one a an animation class that is booked two years in advance. Wow! Um, and the other thing is that he's been the voice of Porky Pig for a very long time. <laughs> but for me, <laughs> for my money, Bob is amazing because you go watch any animated movie. In that, also with or additional voices, is Bob Bergen. Because he has the ability to go, all right, Bob, fade into the background. Okay, Bob, pick up this. We we need this or this or this. Slot in here, Bob. And he's in on all of that. And they know him and they can trust him. And he has the versatility to create and do all that stuff. And it's like, okay, Bob, we need to stand out. And he does. And suddenly, you know, it's Porky Pig. Um, and if I, and he's from the Midwest. And so if there's anybody kind of, kind of, whose career I kind of aspire to, it would be like that, where you're just, working you know um which is kind of like a kind of a midwestern kind of you know chicago actor kind of thing um i got a buddy of mine by the name of john hugenacker uh phenomenal actor better than i ever have been he's a better actor man no 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 john's (laughs) awesome john's amazing and uh, he's does a bunch bunch of movies and tv shows all this wonderful stuff in chicago it's a few years ago i think i think he's okay i'm pretty sure he's okay but um John and I were talking on the street, and he was very frustrated a number of years ago because there were a bunch of these TV shows sitting down in Chicago. And John's agent wasn't sending him out to audition for any of them. And he was in this really slow period. He said, why aren't you sending me to audition for any of this stuff? And his agent said, John, your career and your resume is at such a point that if these shows are going to sit down for this, for this long, you know, for this long, for this length right. of time, I don't want to waste you on cop number five Mm. or detective Jones, who has a one and done episode thing. Um, because once that happens, they can't use you again for like two years. It's like contractual. So they were saving him for something real meaty, 
like a reoccurring that's a thread throughout a whole season or something like that. Same thing with film work. And John was, John expressed to me, he's like, I understand. I get it. And that's cool of them. But you know me, man, I just want to work. Got to pay the bills too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's very much, you know, out here, I'm sure everybody still wants to just work out here too, but it's very, it's a very Chicago thing to be in that position. You know, John's in a great position with that. It's a wonderful place for him to be. Uh, and it speaks to him as a, uh, you know, as a commodity to his agent, but then also to, as an actor, he's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But that just, <laughs> you know, I'm a Chicago working guy just kicks in and he's like, I just want to work. I don't care if it's cop number five. That sounds like fun to me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so that game is always kind of like, you know, pressure in you in the back of your head. And so that's kind of how I look at it. It's like, I just want to work, man. Yeah. That's cool. It's different. Mm-hmm. Off the cuff question. Totally nothing to do with work. Way less serious. But um, <laughs> I, I gathered a question from a patron. Look, man, Mass Effect is well known for its romance. Uh, you've played the games. You're probably familiar with it. So mm-hmm. what was it like? You don't have to give details or spoilers. What was it like recording You know, some of the sex scenes? <laughs> That you encounter in Andromeda that are inevitably going to be there. There's been a lot of talk on on Twitter anytime. Uh, I think Michael something. I forgot his name. Anytime he tweets out about a new companion or something, they're like, "Can I bang them?" Everyone's asking about it. So, what was your that's, experience that's like with thing. the Mass Effect romance? Um, it was cool. Um, All right. There. <laughs> so you were doing this one in particular, and I don't know if that translates to other scenes or something but we had to do like the sounds of the culmination for a sequence or so wow so you're in the booth kissing your hand to time you know (laughs) making noises like that little bit of heavy breathing and whatnot um (laughs) but then but then at the same time um you're doing this to almost completed animation (laughs) And That's so, brilliant. so you're watching this all like, happen, and you're 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 watching the animation, and it's just not every day you see that when you go to work. <laughs> you go, well, this is happening. Okay, welcome to Thursday. <laughs> welcome to a Thursday in Andromeda. How was your day? Um, but they, you know, but it, but it was. It, it's just another thing. You you giggle and you go on and. Um, for a year and a half, I'm making the writer. I hardly know her, you know, jokes and, you know, things like that. Um, the pretty good banging came out of the Twitter verse, uh, uh, Frida's joke throughout the process as she would talk to anybody. Can I sex you? No. Hi. <laughs> you know, for, forget the whole, forget the rest of the question wheel. Can I sex you? No, no. <laughs> I must go. I should get going. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Um, I believe our, our, our Josh, our director, local, our, our, uh, got her a shirt that said, "Can I sex you?" No. <laughs> Bye. Yeah, <that's laughs> great. It was true, and it's, it's very true. It was, it was his bit, and so it was. It was kind of fun when the whole hashtag "pretty good banging" um, 
started on fire and then the, and then the developers picked up on it and it's you know it's wonderful to see that they kind of all get the joke they're just as much a part of the yeah. whole mass effect fan community as the fans are mm-hmm. yeah. they get it they get you know what some people show up to mass effect for <laughs> and and i think that comes through in everything that they create whether it's the writing or other things um they put all of that fandom into the game that they're creating saying, you know what they're going to want? They're going to want this. Um, and, uh, there's some great stuff like that. I wouldn't necessarily call it fan service, but mm-hmm. you know, from points, uh, standpoint of kind of like the diverse cast and diverse relationships and things like that. There's a lot of that in there that I, uh, that I'm a fan of and, and a couple, a couple relationship sequences that for me were just, just wonderful. I, and, um, gosh, I wish I knew, I was talking to one of the writers on Twitter a little while ago, and I asked, like, who did this sequence? Who wrote this particular relationship sequence? And I don't remember she gave me the full answer because it was just one of those things that I went, that is brilliantly done. It's my favorite sequence in the whole game just because of yeah, the subject matter and, that if there was a and how they dealt. Particular. Yeah, and, and I can't even talk about it because, you know, yeah. spoilers. But there was a sequence, and again, it's just a relationship sequence mm-hmm. that I thought, that's brilliant. It's just so wonderfully handled and gently done and tastefully done and like, uh, you know, modern sensibilities are thrown aside because we're in the future and it's about this versus rather than being about this. And I loved it. And I said, send it up the chain. This is my favorite. This is my favorite part. Um, (laughs) But then there were some other things and a couple lines and other things uh, for like Vetra working with Vetra mm-hmm. as a companion that I said, that's my favorite line. Send it up the chain. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like the next week, there'd be something with Drac and I'd say, that's my favorite line. Send it up the chain. <laughs> um, so there was always something. And that's one of the reasons why I like followed all the writers. <laughs> and I like thanked them all in person and said, you guys are the best because you made this job kind of easy in some ways and just yeah. absolute fun, you know, absolute joy to do. I wanted to ask you, you were talking about the community just before. How does it feel just to be a part of this big community that is Mass Effect? It, 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 might, it might feel a bit surreal, I, I used that word before, not just being in the game, but also being a part of this huge community because people, when they play games, tend to form connections with the with the voice actors because they're personifying their, their favorite characters. So how does it feel just to be a part of this big community? Really, Very cool. I mean, the, the community has been very overwhelmingly positive i think frida and i did something with mass effect france um a couple weeks back and it was she's like yeah 99 percent totally awesome mm. you know one percent trolls you know and, 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 and so <laughs> yeah. it's such a it's a, such a minority um very supportive very wonderful um especially since you guys haven't even heard a damn thing yet Y'all ain't even heard us work yet. And you're all like, oh, it's got Sarah. It's like, you haven't heard anything. You've heard 15 <laughs> seconds of either of us, you know, combined. Sure, no, you done. might not. <laughs> it I, sucks. It's, Moving on. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, there's a, I'm reminded, I don't, I don't remember what live concert it was, but it was like an Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy live recording um, back in the 80s. And, you know, the, the, the announcer says, ladies and gentlemen, Eddie Murphy. And you hear the crowd just roaring and roaring and roaring. And Eddie Murphy comes out. He says, yeah, yeah, all right. Y'all, y'all sit your asses down, okay? <laughs> and pardon the language, he says, nah, he, but he fine. says, oh, y'all, y'all, sit your ass down. 
you know, I might, I might not even be funny. <laughs> Y'all be out here clapping your asses off and shit, and afterwards you'll be like, you know what? He wasn't even funny. <laughs> and that's kind of how I feel about this. It's like, you guys might not like any of this. Yeah, um, welcome to Game High. That's brilliant. All right. Yeah. But I think, but with that in mind, um, I feel like, like what happened with Mr. Mir and, and uh, Ms. Hale is that their popularity as the shepherd kind of picked up over time. Whereas I think the fans cling to and lock on to the companions much more readily yeah. than they do the player character um, for, for a variety of very good reasons. Um, a lot of times the player character is kind of generic in in tone or sound. Not that mm-hmm. Mark or uh, Jen are generic in any way, but you know, you go, okay, I get this. And our job is to get out of the way so the player can have their own choices. Whereas the the, the voices and other things like that of the companions are front and center. And those people sound amazing. And their work is amazing. And I, anytime I got just a little bit of these other people's voices and their work in my ears, I had these moments of, oh my God, why am I here? These people are amazing. And you know, just absolutely wonderful. I, boy, I hope, you know, and so I hope that when they ever got to hear me, I hope that I, that they got just a fraction from me of what I got from them Mm. insofar as, I don't know, inspiration or something, you know, every now and then I'd get somebody else and I go, oh, the acting's coming so quickly because I've got this and I know exactly how this goes, knowing how this person sounds and reacts. Um, and so those are the, the ones that the, the, the fans hook on to. Um, but you know, thanks for spending a few hours with me mm. and Frida. We appreciate it. Interesting. All right. Well, does anyone have any other questions? We're just about to wrap up the hour. No, I'm all good. It was I'm awesome good, speaking yeah. with you. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, that was great. Excited, excited to finally actually play it. Mm-hmm. Hey, Tom, <laughs> I know. Any closing thoughts, man? For no, uh, thanks out there. Yeah, you know what? Thanks again for having me, and oh, uh, thanks again, and thanks again to everybody for being supportive and welcoming of everybody. The second our names and uh, um, Twitter handles are uh, released to the public, uh, it's been it's been wonderful. Again, as a not just somebody who kind of just plopped down into L.A. and suddenly, oh, here you go. Now you're part of this franchise that you know and love. Um, mm. but also, uh, you know, just as, as an actor, just kind of finding my way and doing this thing and, uh, enjoying it just as much as everybody else. So, uh, enjoy it. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Taylorson. Um, yep, we got it'll be most everyone do that. There, the whole yeah. video. Oh. You're fine. <laughs> you better follow him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. It's like, I don't know. Uh, I have a Facebook page that's mostly <laughs> audiobook stuff. I don't update it often cause there's not that much news um but thank you all again for having me thanks again for enjoying it and i hope everybody got something from (laughs) from our very one-sided discussion no that was very interesting thank you for taking the time honestly we've had uh we've had a couple of voice actors on here before but your story is a lot way different from what i've heard from a bunch of others so it it was really insightful honestly oh good yeah everybody's got their story 
everybody's got the story. There's value Absolutely. in all of it. You know, it's gonna, it's gonna touch different people in different ways, and not in bad ways. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> All right. Show me on the doll with a voice actor's story. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right in the heart. Right. <laughs> Touch my special right. area. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we hope everyone enjoyed this wonderful interview with Tom, the male protagonist, Scott Ryder, in Mass Effect Andromeda. Be sure to, as he said, follow him on Twitter. Check out his Facebook page. Those will be linked down below, and they've been on screen the whole video, so you should have done it by this point in time. If you haven't, <laughs> now's your chance. Once again, we hope you guys enjoyed. Thank you once again, Tom, and we'll catch you next week.